Thank you. It's a pleasure to be with you today as uh, the choir, the music team is finding their seat. I invite you to find your Bible and turn with me to the Ephesians chapter 6, where we're going to conclude this little series that we have been working through all summer long on spiritual warfare. Ephesians chapter 6, and I hope that this has uh, been something that has blessed you. I don't often do this, but I, I want to take some time as you're turning there to just identify uh, some guests that we have today. You, if you've been with us here at Highland Crest for a number of years, and you can remember this young lady that, that came into our lives and just uh, had beauty on the inside and the outside. She was a school teacher here in the area. Her name was Evie. She married Joel, and um, her last name was Morris her parents are with us here today, uh, Joe and Cecilia Morris. So we are grateful that you're with us today. Can we just say a welcome them? Uh, missionaries to the Philippines, we're grateful. And as I look over to my right, I saw a masked lady over here. Is that B? B. Wilkie, a longtime member of our church. Thanks for joining us today. She lives in Georgia, but is joining us today as well. So. Welcome, B. Glad that you're with us. <laughs> and while I'm on a roll, I, I see Dalip and his family over here, and it's great to see you guys, too. We, we appreciate you guys. Okay. I won't be doing that every service, but <laughs> um, it just seemed appropriate today. So let's look at Ephesians chapter 6, and I, I'd add my welcome to all of you that are here Um, As you think about the armor of God, often these last three verses in this passage get overlooked, and I think it's a vital mistake if we do that. So we're going to be hitting on verses 18, 19, and 20 today, but before we do, let's get a sense of this whole context, okay? Ephesians chapter 6, beginning in verse 10, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, Take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And then here are the verses for this morning. Praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication, to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak." Let's, uh, as we've read these verses on prayer, let's pray together. Uh, Father, it's a 
it's been a blessing for me personally to not only read, memorize, and meditate on these verses and teach them, but I pray that it's also been a blessing for others in this room uh, watching online. We have had our eyes and our hearts attuned more closely to the schemes of the devil. And we've been made aware that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but, but this devil, this one that is trying to thwart your work in our lives. And I pray, Father, to be able to summarize some of these thoughts that we've had this summer, as well as to emphasize this weapon that we have at our disposal called prayer. And so may it be unleashed today, and may there be implications not only the rest of this day, the week, but all of our lives as we get to participate in this gift of prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, it's my hope that as we have gone through this series this summer, that you have been made more and more aware of spiritual warfare, perhaps in your personal lives, on days of which maybe you feel gloomy or or dark, or maybe there's a, a day of despair, that you would be able to look and say, have I taken up the shield of faith? Have I been in the Word, and has the Word been in me? And am I claiming this promise that God has for me in this specific area? Or perhaps you've been able to see the different thoughts that enter into your mind And you've been able to take them captive and say, you know, this thought here does not originate from God or from the Scripture. It is a lie, and I need to expose it. My hope is not only in a personal way, but your relationships have changed as well. That you've seen that your spouse, your teenager, your brother, your sister, your aunt, your uncle, your grandparents, your parents are not the enemy. Nor is your boss. Nor is your neighbor. But your enemy is squarely God's enemy, the devil. And you're wrestling not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against cosmic powers of this present darkness. I hope also that you've been able to thwart some misunderstandings in your relationships. I can think of a time in the last couple of weeks as as our lives have kind of picked up here at the end of the summer where there was a misunderstanding that, that arose between my wife and I. And I think because we were going through this series, I said, you know, the devil could really use this as kindling to, to cause a, some conflict between the two of us. But because we're thinking and, um, and teaching on spiritual warfare, we just need to talk this out. We need to make sure that we can't have this misunderstanding. Perhaps you've also found yourself stopping short of interpreting people's motives, instead giving the opportunity for them to explain to them why they said or did what they did. Have you seen the devil attacking you and and family members? Hopefully, during this summer, your eyes are a little more attuned to that. And maybe take another step even back further to look at our culture in general and see the satanic attacks. You think of Hollywood. Clearly there are executives that know in Hollywood that they could make a lot of money if they just provided some good-natured movies, right, with just magnificent themes. They know that. But they are under the sway of satanic attack. And so they they have these storylines that have to introduce profanity, sensuality, innuendos. All of that is under the sway of the enemy. Consider the, the fashion industry. 
clearly there are clothes that could be made that would be beautiful, that would accentuate a a woman's beauty on their face. But that's not how the fashion industry works, is it? They, too, are under the control of the enemy. And so there's these clothes that are so sensual. That perhaps as we've gone through this, you've had a different perspective on what's going place in, in church in general. As I mentioned at the beginning of this series, I was listening to the, the Screwtapes Letters. Do you, are you familiar with that by C.S. Lewis? And, and this portrays, in a very clever way, an uncle whose name is Screwtape, and he is having correspondence with this nephew. Both of these are demons, and they are assigned to tempt a new Christian. In one of the early chapters of this book, he is writing to his nephew and he is identifying there is a, there's a great war going on in England. We take it to mean World War II. And as a result, in the church, there are two prevailing opinions. There is one group that are the pacifists. They would say, the Bible says you shall not murder. So we are not going to engage in this war. On the other hand, there's another view that says, no, we're patriots. We are part of this country, and we will be all about defending our country. There is a freedom cause here. And as the senior demon is instructing the junior demon, he said, in the church, it really doesn't matter what side they choose. Just make sure they take an extreme view. And when they do, then we got them. And, and here, take it a little bit further, Wormwood. Make sure that they confuse their cause for the gospel and the Great Commission. And so they begin to trumpet peace, or they begin to trumpet war, and they take that as a cause to the same thing as the Great Commission. And, and maybe you would see the same thing about what's taking place in the church. I suspect there's going to come a time uh, when we are removed from wearing masks and vaccinations and COVID where we're going to be ashamed as a church, little c or big c, a, a corporate, of how we have argued and fought and, and how churches have been ripped apart over these things. In a July article by Barna, one-third of all churchgoers have not attended or gone back to church uh, post-COVID. And that could be, we could advance that to political views as well. And perhaps you see this as not just confusion, but maybe as a result of this series on spiritual warfare, you see this is satanic. This is actually what's taking place, is God's people are being ripped apart over things like this. Now we return here to the passage And there we get to the end of this, not only this passage on spiritual warfare, but largely the passage of the book of Ephesians. And what does Paul lead us to do? He leads us to pray. And as I look at this passage, I see six different things here that we can learn about prayer. So you just keep your finger at one line or one phrase, and we'll move to the next one. You make sure that what I'm saying is from the Bible, okay? Let's look here at the first thing, and that is that we are to pray. We are to pray at all times. Look with me at chapter 6, verse 18. Praying at all times. As we think about prayer... In the context here, it's right on the heels of spiritual warfare. So we are to stay alert. The Bible tells us that our adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion. And if we are to apply these things that we are learning about spiritual warfare, we need to have our spiritual eyes continually 
open. I'll tell you, one of the greatest days of my life took place around, I don't know, 15, 17 years ago. It was the day that I came out of LASIK surgery. I used to wear a contact lens and these ugly looking glasses. They were the, you know, the fake gold plated that had green specks on them because it was fake gold. That's what I used to wear for glasses. And I saved up enough money and I got this LASIK surgery and I came out and I'm like, no more contact lenses, no more glasses. I can actually see. Prayer helps us to be able to see things as they really are. It is an ongoing awareness of God's presence in our life. It is, as we've said before, it's like having God on speakerphone throughout our day, and at any moment we can offer up a a phrase, a sentence, a paragraph, a, a, a plea to God, but He can also speak to us as we've hidden His Word in our hearts. I can remember the the first time I, I got to meet Zach and his family, we, we had had a lot of conversations over the phone and over Zoom and the same with his wife. And, and we were so excited to have them come join us in Green Bay where we we're going to meet them for the first time in person. And if you remember, Zach served in law enforcement for 19, 20 years. And we met at Culver's there off of, off of Oneida. And, and I, I had this suspicion that I didn't voice with anyone else, but I had a suspicion of where he would sit when we went to Culver's. And, and as we sat down, my suspicion was true. He sat on the outside wall. Now, why would he do that? Because he was not going to let anything take place behind his back. He had been trained that way. That wasn't the first lunch I've had with a police officer before. Um, all, all on the up and up, I assure you, okay? <laughs> uh, but in the same way that he had been trained to always be on alert, even if he's got his uniform on or not, you and I need to be alert of spiritual warfare around us. And the way we do that is by praying at all times. The second thing we see here in verse 18 is praying at all times in the Spirit. We are to pray in the Spirit. Now, what in the world does that mean? Is that some euphoric feelings? Oh, that must mean praying in tongues. Well, let again, let it, let's be guided by our context Look at what it says in the verse before that, in verse 17. Take the helmet of salvation, and listen to this, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And when we hit on this two weeks ago, you remember what we said? We said the Spirit of God and the Word of God are inseparable. So this idea of praying in the Spirit means to pray in accordance with the Scriptures. Another way of saying it would be in Jesus' name. To to be able to walk with Jesus so closely to know His Word, this is what Jesus would ask in this situation. I've been married to my wife now, I think for 18 years. And, And as we've done, as I've been with her, I can go to a restaurant, and, and most of the time, I can predict what she is going to order. I certainly can predict how she's going to order her meat 
when it is when it is to be made. It's going to be well done. And when I have a, a good day, I'm going to anticipate what's going to bother her, what's going to be a blessing to her, and I'm going to come alongside that. This is the idea. We are to pray in accordance with the Scriptures. Now, now again, the context here would tell us that we are to pray. The, the Verses 10 through 17 should inform us here, right? We are to look at the spiritual armor. We are to consider the belt of truth. We ought to pray, God, you have given me absolute truth. And so allow me to apply that. Allow me to stand on that. You have given to me also this breastplate of righteousness. My righteousness is filthy rags. And so today I'm going to stand on the righteousness that you have provided me. I've been clothed with that. And God, I need your peace I've sinned. I've sinned against you. So may I have this peace again with you and, and with others. You've given to me a shield of faith that's, that's going to protect me from the flaming darts of the evil one. And I want to, by faith, take up these promises that are being, uh, that are going to defend me against these lies that are going to be shot against me. God, I'm, I might be saved, but I don't feel like that today. So I want to put on the helmet of salvation and help me to take the sword of the Spirit. And, and it's not only just praying according to what we have here in these verses, but we could also look at what takes place in the other parts of Ephesians, right? In one of my Bibles, my one that I'm reading for my devotions, I have, you know, what does the Bible say about me in the book of Ephesians? Let me just give you a few of these. The Bible says I'm chosen in Ephesians 1 verse 4. The Bible says that I'm adopted into his family in chapter 1 verse 5. I've been purchased and forgiven, chapters 1, verse 7. I'm united with Christ in chapter 1, verse 11. I have the Holy Spirit as God's guarantee of a future inheritance, chapter 1, verse 14. I've received life, chapter 2, verse 5. I've been created for good works, chapter 2, verse 10. All of these blessings, think of an accounting, have a column there where they are credited to my account, to my life. God has provided all of these for me. And what do I bring to this relationship? Nothing but really debits and failures. But it's one thing to have that credited to your account. It's another thing to have it actually lived out in your life, isn't it? It was about four years ago. I had the privilege that was afforded to me to go to a conference in Louisville it was a family ministry conference, and, and it was a great conference, and I was coming back by way of Louisville to Detroit to Green Bay. And while in Detroit, I didn't know this at the time, but the Lions were playing the Packers just a, a day or two after that. And as a result, the flight from Detroit to Green Bay was overbooked. And so they, they offered an announcement over the speakers that says, hey, we're overbooked today. If we have any volunteers that'd be willing to give up their seat, we would offer, I don't remember what it was, a $400 voucher. Well, I knew that my 15th anniversary was coming up. And my wife had made it very clear that on those five-year increments, we were supposed to do things special. Uh, so I quickly volunteered and, and was granted $400 credit for a future flight. But you know, that just stayed there. And it would have stayed there and it would have expired after a year. It needed to be applied to our lives. And so it was, wasn't it? 
and we used it for our anniversary trip. But the same thing is you can have all this stuff credited to your life, loved ones, in the book of Ephesians, but you need to move it over into action in your life. And we do that through prayer, praying in the Spirit. God, this is what the Bible says. Now allow me to apply it to my life. So the first thing we've seen here in chapter 6, verse 18, is praying at all times. The second thing we say, it says praying in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. Now the word prayer there is more of a general term, but the word supplication is very specific. Sometimes we can pray, God bless this service. God bless this food. God bless this family. God bless this marriage. But the word supplication is, God, I want to be specific here. God, I pray that right now, as this word is going forward, that you are reminding us of the value and the power of prayer that we have. It may not just fall on our heads, but may it just drive us to action beyond today and into this week. So there is something to be said about specific prayer. And we ought to be looking for opportunities. It should just be an overflow of our life, I think. You know, this may not sound all that spiritual, but yesterday we were up in Menominee, Michigan, and uh, our boy had a, a football game. And after the first drive, I could see that he was wincing a bit. He was holding his side. He wasn't himself. And be, you know, I just went off to the sideline. I went over right down to him, and I said, well, what's going on? He says, my ribs, my ribs are really sore. And I didn't know anything else to do but just to say, well, let's pray. And we're just going to pray. Maybe, maybe you ought to take off the rest of this game, or maybe, maybe God would have you go in and play. I don't know, but let's just pray. And so that was something specific. God, give him insight. What's the right thing to do? Should we, should we go off, or should we, should we stay, or, or whatever? As it turned out, he, he did go back in, and he, and he did play. I think of another time just earlier this week. Uh, um, I took my two older boys, our lawn tractor needed a, a new carburetor. So it was kind of a, a dinner and a show where we would go out and, and we were the dinner as the mosquitoes just kind of overtook us. <laughs> and it was quite a show trying to use a little cell phone light to try to put this carburetor in as it got really dark. And um, I said, the first thing you guys got to do when we do this is we got to pray. So right now we're going to pray. Pray God, help us with this project. And... Um, and we prayed through it, and we got to the end of it, and as often happens, it didn't work. <laughs> uh, and so we gave it, I said, I'll come back tomorrow night, and the boys were in the garage. And I got to a point where I said, God, this thing is not getting gas. And I pray, Jesus, you're going to have to do this. Help me to figure out how this thing needs to get gas so this can start up. You're, you're my only hope. And I turned the key, and it started. And there was a worship service right, you know, right there in the garage. But that was something that was specific. And those seems like so small things. But that's what we're supposed to be being praying for, specific large things as well. So we see specific supplication. And then we see also something in verse 18 to that end, keep alert with all perseverance. This concept of perseverance is we are to pray not just once, but we are to continue praying. Luke 18.1 says, And Jesus told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. Here's something about prayer that I'm learning, is that prayer doesn't always bring immediate results. Oftentimes, the answer to prayer is more prayer. 
and it's persistence. It's, it's continuing on and on and on. You know, I was reminded of that this summer. Those of you who have been with us for a few years, I can, I can remember a time when I stood before you and I said, what we want to do this morning is we want to pray for a, a good friend of mine that's a pastor up north. And uh, he's pastoring this church through a same strange set of circumstances. He became the pastor even though we let him very clearly, uh, this is what I believe, this is what the gospel is. And, and Pastor Andrew uh, came to a place of faithfully preaching at this church. And it came to a point where that church actually believed that in order to become a Christian, you needed to be baptized. And for Pastor Andrew, there was a, there was a fork in the road. He said, I cannot support this. Uh, we either got to revoke this or I can't be your pastor anymore. And so we spent time as a church family praying for Pastor Andrew in that decision. We prayed for the people of that church that they would, they would side with the Bible and with the gospel. And I said, hey, they're going to be, they're going to be voting here. So we need to be praying for that. And the vote went through. And the, and the church rejected the gospel, and our friend Pastor Andrew um, resigned from that church. And, and then there was a church about five miles from there that was watching this whole thing and said, you know, that's the kind of guy we want as our pastor. It, and then he went there. But I found it interesting in June as I was driving by that church, and I looked up at the sign, the one that Pastor Andrew used to serve at, the name had been changed. It was no longer that denomination that believed in order to be right with God, you had to be baptized. It had changed to an evangelical church that was by grace through faith alone. They have a new pastor that is changing the bylaws. And those prayers that we had prayed and others had prayed, God had answered, but it just wasn't in our time, was it? So, Keep praying. Keep praying. You know, today, we're going to have an opportunity to celebrate answered prayer. And I look over to my left, and I see the Beals, and we celebrate with you answered prayer as we got to see pictures of little Doug in school. Was that not awesome this week? Can we say thank you to God for that? And we had been praying for the Hicks family. I think of... Um, Isaiah, as we prayed for him, and we saw healing take place. And as a church, we got to celebrate that. I don't remember all my time schedule here, but it was around Mother's Day when Miss Vanna, the, the former pastor's wife, who nearly 30 years, maybe 30 years, played that piano, uh, got COVID and went in the hospital. And, and our church just prayed like crazy for her, not only our church, but other churches. And I can't tell you how many times people come up to me and said, I'm, I'm consumed by this. What's the latest? Why haven't we got an update today? And, and we just continued to pray. And there were times where it did not look very favorable, but we just kept, by God's grace, just continuing to pray. And we celebrated when she went from St. Vincent's. And do you remember that time where there was a prayer meeting on the, on the roof of the prayer garage or the the parking garage. <laughs> We're going to call it the prayer garage from right now, okay? And then it went from there to, to a place in, in Milwaukee and then back up here to the De Pere area. And then on Friday, um, she was able to go home. And so we, we celebrate that perseverance of prayer. And I don't know if you've heard what we would like to do at the end of the service. So let me just offer a little bit of announcement. We'd like to have a little 
parade. We'll call it a prayer, a parade of answered prayer. And if you're able to stick around a little bit, what we'd like to do is just line up all of our cars here in the parking lot. I think uh, one, of our, one of our men, um, Andrew Jantz, I'm sorry, Andrew, or Drew Lentz, rather, a police officer, is going to be able to escort us in a parade to go in front of uh, Jim, Pastor Jim and Vanna's house and just say, praise the Lord. He has answered that prayer. We are celebrating this answer to prayer. So at the end of the service, even if you're new to us, you want to just celebrate uh, answer to prayer, why don't you join us with that? I think this could be a really a great thing for us to see how God answers prayer. But we also often need to persevere through that. As we look at this passage, there's two other things that I see here. It also says, making supplication at the end of verse 18, for all the saints. So we are to pray, but we are to pray for others. Pray for others. You might be here this morning, and you might be in a very gloomy season, where you look around your life and you see nothing but hardships and nothing but doldrums. It's like you can't get yourself out of this. It could be that what you need to hear today is you need to get serious about praying for others. That's how we are to pray. I am sure that it says here that we are praying to apply the spiritual armor to our life, but there is also something to be said here about getting our eyes off of ourselves and praying for the needs and the blessings of others. Martin Lloyd-Jones, in one of his work, um, talks about this this time in, in Spain where there was this hospital that was filled with mental patients. And, and then there was a war that broke out in Spain, and something tremendous happened. That all these patients, virtually all of them within this hospital, because there was war in their country, got the focus off themselves and onto others. And that mental hospital began to clear out as their mental sickness began to clear out because they were no longer so self-absorbed. I think of a dear woman in our church in Michigan named May Edwards. She was a widow, but she had a lot to give to the church, and she was spunky. Our church was intending on reaching out to its community, so we started this clothing ministry where people could come in and get clothes, and so we were uh, trying to do that to reach people within our community, and May was one of the leaders of that. And then one day, unexpectedly, she, she got a stroke, and it changed her life. And she was very limited in what she could do in getting around. And I remember visiting her on occasion, and there were times where she's like, I don't know why God has done this. I don't know what his purpose in this is. And she was just bewildered by it. But then as I would visit again, she says, you know what? God has given me a ministry right now. It's a ministry of prayer. And what God's focus of my life right now was to be praying for others. And you know what happened with that? It's contentment. She had a purpose, and it was to pray for others. Now, what is it that Paul has asked us to pray for? Is it that we would receive blessings? Is it that we would be happy with the way our lives are? Is it that what all would go well for us? Look at what it says here in verse 19 and 20. This is the context of prayer. And also for me, 
that words may be given to me in opening my mouth, boldly proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. What was it that he was asking the people to pray for? To share the gospel. It wasn't so much just to receive all the blessings of God, but it was rather to take the blessings of God that they had received and to share them with others. And so he says here, I need your prayers that I might know what words to share. I need your prayers that I might be bold in my witness. And I'm telling you something. I feel very encouraged to hear this today, that if Paul needed prayers because there were times he didn't know what to say in a gospel conversation, I take encouragement from that because I experience it all the time. And if Paul needed prayer so that he could be bold in his gospel witness, I too take great comfort in that because there's a lot, a lot of times where I feel bold. Could it be that one of the reasons that your gospel witness is not what it should be, is that you are not praying for boldness and the words to be given to you. And so as we consider, how is it that we should apply this passage today? I think we should apply it right now and pray. We, we cannot be a church that just simply looks at a few verses and, and teaches them, illustrates them, but doesn't do anything about them. I'd like us just to take some time and pray for this. God has given us this tool of prayer. This past summer, our family, while we were in this series, just kept having to stumble by that movie that's been out for, I don't know, seven years or so called War Room. Do you remember that? It's a great movie that depicts this young man and young woman. They got this daughter, and it seems like they have it all. They've got a thriving job, this massive house, these late model cars, and you look at them and you say, that's the kind of family that all would want to be. But their marriage is on the rocks, and they are really struggling. And because the woman is a, is a realtor, she, she bumps into this woman, this older woman named Clara, Miss Clara, and as she gets to know a little bit more about this family and their marriage, she urges them to fight, not with one another, but fight with prayer. And prayer is what God has given us to fight. So loved ones, let us use prayer to fight. I'd like us to take the remaining time that we have with our service, large part of it, is to just pray together. And let's put this into practice. Let's pray for God to help us to have a bold witness, a gospel witness, a witness in which we could share the words that God would have us to share. Do you think God would answer a prayer like that? We're going to pray, take some time right now to pray for that. But if you look at our calendar, it's also a pivotal time in, in our family's lives. As many have already gone back to school or are going to be going back to school this coming week. And so I'm going to have Zach at the appropriate time kind of guide us in praying for our families and for our children as well. So Ms. Jean, I wonder if you could come up and, and play the piano And could we just form some groups around here in our auditorium 
Those of you who are viewing at home, you can do this as well. Let's just enter into some prayer together where we're just thanking God for this gift of prayer. But then let us apply verses 19 and 20. God, help me to be bold in my witness. Help me to know what words to share. And may I be faithful to do that. And as you pray for a few moments in doing that, then Zach will come up and he'll guide us a little bit more on how we can pray for our families as school begins. So Miss Jean, why don't you play for us? And then church family, why don't we get together to pray? As you continue to pray within your groups, I reached out to several families this week of students who I have the pleasure of being around and serving with their students. And as they go back to school, they made some supplicational prayers of their own where they reached out. So as you continue to pray, pray for students going back to school and specifically the battlefield that they face with their friends and being the boldness of sharing the gospel. As you continue to pray, pray for the hearts of our students as they go out. Put a hedge of protection around them as they go to their battlefield, which is our schools. Even those who are homeschooled, let them be able to have a witness to themselves and and their families and as they go out into the community. There's going to be arrows and darts that come to them as they interact with their public, in the public, just the, the remaining prayer was for, for them to be bold. Help them guard their hearts against the temptations that are there online. Pray for their young hearts. Father God, I thank you for being a God that possesses the control over everything that happens to us. And I just pray that it's your will that happens and not the will of ours. So as we pray for ourselves and as we pray for others, we seek your will in this. Father, I pray for our families. And I pray that we're a church that comes alongside of our families and that we are a church that we're open and willing to listen when our families come to us with struggles that we do not shun them, but we accept them and we bring them in and we point them to you. God, I ask that you enable us with the power to be a church that models Jesus. Father, I pray for our students as they go back to school, whether it be in the home or whether it be out in the world. I just ask that you would guard their hearts against all of the flaming arrows that are coming their direction. I just ask that they would seek help when they need it. And they look to you always. Because regardless of who we are, we're called to be the light in the world. And that's a heavy task, but you provided us with the armor and you provided us with the tools. Father, we love you and we thank you in Jesus' precious name. Amen.